Welcome to the More Than More podcast, where we discuss building meaningful, impactful businesses, careers, and lives through real estate. Good morning, everybody. Dylan here. It is Monday, the 12th of September. I'm sitting with our usual crew here, Kyle Clarkson, Tammy Hicks, and Roger Wheeler, and we're here for the September market update report. We've got a lot of interesting stuff, as always. We've got our packets that you can print. They should be in the show notes. We'll reference those throughout, and we've already started debating. We decided to try table the debate and make sure we had it on air uh, to save the good stuff for later, but... Um, what are we debating about? We're debating about inventory. Yes. Inventory or listings or. So we'll, we'll get to that. <laughs> I don't know what Roger's doing, but he's digging around in his bag. Yes, I'm, I'm just there. trying to find my readers. I can't <laughs> see them. <laughs> you can borrow mine. You need them. Oh, brother. I must say these, these could be a little bigger. You can, you can hear the shuffling. He's got him. Okay. <laughs> so we can officially start. <clears throat> um, it is, uh, did we do this a month ago? No, we skipped a we month. We skipped a month. Yeah. So a, a lot has happened. I would say that if you went to sleep two months ago and woke up today, you're in a slightly different environment. Two months ago, the forces that were shifting the market had already started. The Fed had been doing what they were doing for three or four months. Um, but I think we're starting to see some of the ramifications, implications of those shifts in the market. So I've kind of broken our slides into a handful of uh, segments today. I think the first is really all about rates. I'll just jump in there and ask you guys your sentiment on something. So first slide, where are we at? Five point, it's, I think it's up to 5.6%. 6.25 this morning. Um, and in context. Which was down a hair from last week. But contextually, running all the way back, jeepers, how far back does this slide go? Back to 3.2%. need Roger's readers on these things. Yeah, I need the readers too. <laughs> yeah, on January 8th. That's right. So this is actually only going back to the beginning of the year. So you can see how steep that climb is. But 5.6%, second slide, uh, projections from Freddie, Fannie, MBA, NAR, and the average over the next four quarters. These guys are projecting a 5.4, a 5.3, a 5.2, and a 4.8. So they're actually suggesting, did I do that right? I did read that the right order. You did. What is Fannie Mae thinking? Fannie Mae is thinking the same thing as everybody else, just to a lesser degree. They're, they're all suggesting that rates will slide slightly. So there's going to be some softening. You know, I guess where we're at right now is, I think we're at a 2.5 or 2.5. Fed funds rate. And they're projecting that the Fed funds rate will climb all the way to as high as 4%, which is our baseline for creating the 6% interest rates. So when they're looking at this, I think what they're suggesting is we're reaching, we're reaching the cap of what the Fed funds rates is going to do. We've already projected that out in our 30 years. And so they're suggesting that these things might start to drop coming into the end of the year and next year. And that's slide three as well, which is just a graphical depiction of rates here um, looking forward over the next four quarters. So what I'm curious about- I think about it is telling that NAR is saying 6% next year and Fannie Mae is saying 4.5%. We've never seen that sort of a Discrepancy? Variant. Yeah. NAR is, is NAR just chicken? Are they, are they just afraid to make a projection? Might be chicken based on what- it's happened since January 8th. So if you're not looking at the slides, um, the, average is, uh, uh, the average of the next 
four four quarters is five four five three five two and then four eight. But NAR is just holding the line at six percent for the next four quarters. <laughs> they don't want to commit. Are you on the board there? <laughs> NAR, yeah. <laughs> Get them straightened out, Kyle. So I am curious if, if if there was one more column, and each of you, and this is a stupid question because no one should be making these predictions. That's it. <laughs> That's the point that I'm making. Is this discrepancy is just saying nobody nobody knows really knows. So what are the two case uh, studies? What, what are the two hypotheticals? One is the Fed um, gets up to 4%, another couple of 0.75 increases. They get inflation under control to some extent. We see inflation peak. And I think we could see that this winter. And if inflation starts, it doesn't mean it goes away. It just means it stops climbing. And if we see it peak and maybe have a small drop from like 8% inflation to 7 you're going to see a lot of things shift. The stock market will shift, right? And so will the 30-year and the 10-year. They'll start to go, okay, it's getting better. And they, So that's, that's thesis number one. What's thesis number two? <laughs> well, I, I think it's a debate about inventory. I think thesis number two is that we, we do a $500 billion stimulus on Housing. loans. We, we end up with low inventory again next spring, which means prices keep being pushed up and inflation doesn't stop. That's thesis number two. And if that occurs, you might have a sustained period where the Fed keeps having to try pull this thing back in. And that's maybe why NAR is saying, I don't know, 6%. Nobody? Or is there another thesis? No, I think it is NAR being pessimistic and saying i'd like to have all my agents planning for what they see as a worst case scenario being rates go all the way up to six percent which because <clears throat> and that's worst case scenario that's what oh, okay. i think nar is saying and we've been there i mean they, they hit six right recently a couple of weeks yeah. ago yeah yeah <clears throat> well i think that everybody getting used to five percent in the current pricing environment is a is a hypothetical that i can get my head wrapped around takes a few months everyone gets used to five yeah. and when it's six it starts to be a little bit more hard to fathom everybody buying houses at six at these current prices weren't we a couple of months ago hearing various sources say i think they could hit seven eight percent next year yeah that would be the bad thesis where inflation doesn't stop and they got to they got to take the Fed funds rate above four. So, okay, look, what, I'm, what I wanted to ask you is what do you think? And I think what you're saying is I don't want to think. Just have to be prepared for all those scenarios. Okay, that's good. Yeah, you have to have the consultative um, <coughs> conversations with your clients about, you know, what those different options are, what those different possibilities are, and, and make sure they're prepared. I mean, that whatever that interest rate is going to be when they're ready to buy or move or whatever. Cause that's the one thing that doesn't stop. People still need to move, especially real demand, organic demand. Like organic. I have a baby. Yeah. I have a baby. I need a bigger house. I got a new job. I need to be closer to it. Um, there are, there are numerous reasons why people will still have to move. And, and I, and I think that will keep things going. The second thing is I don't think interest rates will go as high as 6%. Um, well, I don't think they'll get any higher than that. And and the reason I say that is because lenders are also feeling the pinch. I mean, they've had a 
a time over the last several years where they've been able to do a lot of loans and a lot of refinances and they're going to be feeling the same thing. And so when they feel the slowdown, they tend to uh, be more aggressive on their interest rates in order to get more people to do loans. So there's obviously only a certain amount they can do, but there is a piece of that that they're not going to artificially push them up. They can influence their, their fees, right? but not the 10-year and the 30-year, right? Correct, yeah. Um, Carl, any thoughts on this before I jump to a practical question on this? No, I, I would agree with Tammy. But at the same time, <coughs> for so long I've said, nah, I mean, they're not going to do – I remember having this conversation yeah. with some people that are building and they got to sell their house. I'm like, you know, just it's, it's going to be okay. They may go up a little bit. I never dreamed – what would happen, you know, when we got to the spring into the summer, how quickly they rose, how quickly they rose. And so consultative is exactly right. Like, Hey, here's, here's maybe what I think. However, uh, I was much more, um, I guess, confident in what I was telling people, you know, last spring about the rates and because I've experienced 18 years where they've gone down. And so this is uh, this is new territory for me. And I, yeah. I just want to be careful in saying, yeah, hey, I'm I'm 100% confident this is what's going to take place. So I think that counts. Dylan warned us for a decade this could happen. Yeah. There's a smirk there, by the way. <laughs> I've been telling people 18 years, hey, they can't go down any, lo- any lower. <laughs> they can't go any lower. I do think that in the same way no one anticipated the speed with which these things would get to six or five and a half, oh. I do think that the seven and 8% scenario is something we should be considering to be feasible. I agree. I, I think what we've done financially as a country could result in the need for the Fed to have to keep fighting this thing aggressively. I think we've created unprecedented crazy levels of appreciation. So if we get to 7-8, I guess we'll cross that bridge when we get there. The good news is when you are at 7-8, you are creating heavy, heavy forces of well, downward forces against pricing, right? You are you're you're crushing demand, yes. you are hurting the economy. Nobody wants that. So if they're doing it, they're doing it for a, a necessary and sustained period of time to get the laws of supply and demand back on track. And that's negative because it sucks to think that we would have to do that. But in the short term, it's a band-aid that has to be ripped off so that we can go back to a healthy environment. I'm planning to be in business for quite some time. Mm-hmm. And so if you have to go through two years of pain to get things back on track, that's just how my brain has to think about this. How are you guiding clients right now on interest rates? Are, are you doing a lot more arms? I know we've talked about this before. Is it happening? Yes. I, I haven't had anybody do an arm yet, yes. but we've talked about it. A lot of 10-year arms because you can still get those in the low fours. You're so. doing that? Yeah. You've definitely. seen clients? Okay. Mm-hmm. And then anything on lender relationships? I'm just curious. Uh, I know that a lot of lenders are hurting right now because they were doing a ton of refi business. Mm-hmm. I know they're pretty hungry to get purchase business right now with realtors. So if you ever want free lunch, now's the time. <laughs> um, but even looking at creative lender relationships so that you have a, a better quiver of arrows. Anybody done anything creatively lately? Is that a real thing? Kind of what the I'm same saying? things that we were doing before. I mean, just talking to them, having lunch with them. I suppose you don't want to get too creative because when you get hyper creative, now you're in scary lawn products. Right. And we don't want to go there. 
We already been we've already been there. <laughs> well, it was quite a while ago that we were there, and we haven't seen anything quite like that. That is the one thing they do keep trying to drive through: is the lending underwriting standards are still very healthy, right. and everybody that owns all these houses has ridiculous levels of equity in them, never never before seen levels. So, the <coughs> fundamentals of like people's investments are really really strong right now. Anything more on rates before I move? I want to I want to get to. Um, the next set of slides is appreciation, but Tammy, back to our debate, I didn't include anything here on inventory. And so right. that is the next thing I do want to jump to. That's the, um, I don't have it in the packet, guys, but I've got an Altos graph here that shows the seasonal trend of inventory. We have seen for the last several months an increase in inventory nationally and locally. And that increase is notable. It's 15, 20 to 30%. But that's 30% increase that's not in the packet, Roger. It's a 30% increase from ridiculously yeah. low numbers. Yeah. And what we were debating is whether or not that's continuing. And the answer is it is not continuing. Inventory starting in the end of July, early mid-August stopped yeah. increasing and is flattened out like it normally does, which means between now and the end of the year, we're going to see inventory not increase but decrease, which is what we that's always... local too. Correct. I am seeing it flatten in all of our local markets as well. Ankeny was decreased. Des Moines held the line. But the point is we're not seeing in a suppressed market where everything's selling 20% less. We're not seeing inventory climb notably. We're seeing it follow the normal trend, which means it's going to drop between now, hit a bottom in January. And the point is where is that bottom coming into the spring going to be? And the answer is it's not going to be anywhere where it was in 19 or 18 or 17, it's still going to be 50% less than what we were dealing with in 17, 18, 19. And that is important to me because what that means is our spring market is still going to be, even though there's maybe more suppressed buyer demand for the buyers that are out there, they're still going to be competing for a small, small pool of opportunities. Yeah, and, and with what you just said, I agree with that. The thing that I think is very healthy in it um, is that we are getting back to a normal cycle. And so if you, if you I don't know if this is in the packet that they have, but um, the normal up and down cycle that we've seen over the last 25 years that I've been in the business um, with the seasons, and it goes up in the spring and down in the summer and up in the late summer and down again in the winter, um, I mean, we're getting back into that, and I think that's a healthy, healthier place to be if you, you take out the last two years. Yeah, you can see where it didn't happen in 20 and 21. It right. just dropped precipitously, and I'm with you. We're, we're back to a normal curve. Just and, but the I issue do think, is where is it going to be? And, it's, and I, think it takes, I think it takes three to four years to get if, headed back If up. that. I mean, how much construction and how much... It's yeah, there's another, there's another pressure here that I like to bring up that affects inventory. Um, and I've tracked this for probably 10 years. There is a gap that exists between new construction and resale. And two or three years ago, that gap was very narrow. Pricing. 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 Resale, you could get a 10-year-old house, similar price to a new construction house, that's when we saw the national new construction guys coming into our market. And, and is that good or bad that they were close? I'm, I'm, not, I'm not making a judgment on okay. it. I'm just saying that affects inventory. Because over the last two to three years, we've seen that gap get massive. 
especially over this year with construction costs going so high. Um, I, I recently had a house, uh, 1300 square foot ranch with finished basement, new construction for 410. I had a 10 year old house, one block over 1800 square foot with finished basement for 330. That's $80,000 less for a thousand extra square feet. That is way too big a gap. And so that, that new that resale price has to come up, which is going to affect inventory as those prices continue to rise, mm-hmm. and the new construction price has to come down, and that has started now. Um, that's where when people talk about depreciation, it's it's not depreciation of that ten year old house. I I think it's going to happen in the new construction, it, which it's is price an actual, adjustments yeah, on the new. Construction. It's actually not depreciation. Yeah, it's price adjustments. Well, bridge into that. So let's jump into the appreciation slides and then you can dig back into that. So I think there's three of them here, graph four, five, and six. So appreciation is slowing, but there is no depreciation, a major, major distinction. And uh, so we, we are certainly seeing prices start to stop increasing or at least at the rate that they were. But there are some major adjustments that were made. If you look at graph five, um, the forecasts at the beginning of the year for 2020 appreciation were in the single digits. They were saying this year, because last year we saw 20%, and the year before that was just under 20%. Ridiculous. Basically, if you do that, that means every three to four years, homes double in value. It's not. It's, and I don't think anyone thought that that was sustainable. Correct. I, mean, I don't think anyone. Well, but that's why we had right. to pour water on it. That's it why. Is if the new construction costs continue to do what they've done. Well, come back to that. So the, the, the point, though, is that. They've now adjusted all of these, and they're saying, okay, holy cow, instead of this 4 5 6% appreciation for the entire 2022 year, we're now adjusting that and saying it's going to end up being closer in the low teens. And so the you know graph 6, I believe the overall is currently 11.3, depending on who you look at, just north of you know um, 10%. The, the point here, though, is most of that appreciation has already been realized, is what they're Correct. suggesting. The first half of the year is when we saw that. And now we're seeing that start to soften. I think the big distinction, though, is that this miscommunication going on out there that home values are dropping. So we have 40% more price reductions. No, no, we have 40% of properties having price That's reductions. Right. We are seeing notable deceleration of price increase. But the consumer is going to confuse that for homes are losing value. And the truth is homes are not increasing in value at the rate that they were. So you're relating that, Roger, to the distinction. New construction, you're saying, is driving some of the appreciation. But if new construction has that much gap, you're suggesting that new construction now has to pull back, and that's where the price reductions are happening. Mm -hmm. Builders are softening their prices. Mm -hmm. But also... The resale has room to climb them, doesn't it? As yeah, it, it has. It has to because remember, as a country, we're still significantly undersupplied. Yeah, for homes, and you can't build resales. <laughs> you can only build new construction. So that undersupply has to be addressed by new construction. So new construction pricing is controlling that appreciation level on resale. Kyle, what are you seeing locally on new construction pricing? I had a walkthrough last week <clears throat> on pricing. What 
this is talking about, you know, maybe an issue with inventory, but I had a walk through the builder, smaller builder, but he said, I'm not doing specs right now. It's just, there's too much unknowns in the market and just concerns. So I, I think there's been somewhat of a, they're pulling back on the number of probably permits and new builds, which I don't, I don't think it's probably good because I think we've all said, we I think there's houses. been a significant pullback. Yeah, there has been a significant pullback. But if you look at the bigger builders, they're doing incentives, they're doing bonuses, you know, they're doing price drops. All those things are definitely taking place right well, now. That's a notable change from a year ago. Yeah, that's a notable change from. And the effect of that is su- supply to the builders all is coming down. So, and it's going to take some calendar for this to happen. But for the first time in over two years, we're having. Uh, framing crews, calling builders, <laughs> looking for work. We could use some of that. Yeah. Well, that's what we're seeing right now. Framers are out there. They've raised their prices for two years to the point where you can't continue. Um, and now they're calling around looking for work. That is going to bring the price of new construction down. Which ironically is exactly what the government is trying yes. to mm-hmm. accomplish right now. We yeah. have to cool Those this Those guys thing are down. geniuses. <clears throat> well, it's not that complicated, really. <laughs> Shoot a bunch of money out, people spend it. Pull the money back, people stop spending it. Like it's, mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know if that's genius or not. <laughs> but this goes back to the debate where we started. I, and maybe let's stop calling it a debate. The point of interest for me is if builders are pulling back because of this and if sellers aren't wanting to list their homes at the rate that they otherwise might have, because what am I going to buy if I sell? And if I sell now, I'm going to have to buy at five, six or six. I believe we're coming into next spring at another uh, deficiency entry point in terms of inventory. And the only reason that bothers me, we know how to buy houses with no inventory. We know how to make sales happen. We've been doing this for Eight years now. My concern is what that does for pricing. Yeah, it, it's good. It's all good. Well, it depends. What are you talking about? I'm. What I'm saying is if, if builders are pulling back on specs, which they are, next spring we are going to have a deficiency in inventory with new construction. The only way to address that is by resale, raising their prices. You're calling that good and I'm calling that bad. I'm saying that's good because there's a nine-month cycle that it takes to build the houses. So immediately, all the builders are going to jump back in again next spring, but it's going to be at a lower cost structure than what they built in 2022. So that part's good. The, the resale coming on at elevated prices, to me, is bad because that's an upward price pressure, which isn't going to be good for the Fed looking at this thing because they're trying to cool it down. And so I'm concerned about anything that drives prices up. I don't, I don't think it happen. I don't think the resale goes up as fast as it has the last two years. Even even though I agree with what you're saying, I don't think you're going to see fifteen to twenty percent year over year increases on resale. Well, let's hope. I not. think yeah, I, I hope not. I think you will the first six months because there's not going to be enough new construction available. So I think you're going to see one more. Oh, if you've got spike. a resale, if you've got a good property and you yeah. bring it on the market in March of next year, yeah. you're going to realize multiple That's offers, right. full That's price right. plus. Right. We're going to have one more cycle of that, and then the builders <laughs> will have jumped back in. And so by the fourth of July next year, I think you're going to see price stability, and it's because resale and new construction have reached. Uh, an equilibrium. So we're agreeing what will happen on the resale. Next spring is going to be a very powerful time to list your resale home. We're, and I think we're agreeing on the next part too. We're hoping that new construction starts to moderate its prices. They're already dropping their prices, mm-hmm. a little, but they're already offering incentives, like Kyle's saying. We're just hoping that these uh, framers are ready, willing, and able next spring. And 
I guess the supply side of this thing loosens up so that they can build cheaper. It's already starting. Um, that would be a good thing. Yeah. So I think there's another thing that's going to happen too over the next six months. Um, well, two, yeah, six months to a year. And that's buyers. Um, and, and it's been happening, I think, but wanting less. So over the last accepting less, accepting less, maybe that's a, maybe that's a better way to say it. Um, and, and it has happened over the last two years, just as they've been fighting for properties. But um, so many of our buyers are, you know, their first house they want to move Spoiled. in. Spoiled. <laughs> that's a good word. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they want to move into a brand new house that that is. 1,700 square feet. Starting and home. This is the home affordability index we talked about yeah, four or five that months has, ago. They don't want to do any work to it. I mean, Roger, I think that's what's going to change. You're brilliant at the transitions. Like, that's the next slides. Are you looking ahead or are you just that I studied intuitive? these last night. I couldn't <laughs> uh, sleep. Oh, rubbish. <laughs> <laughs> so, Tammy, I didn't mean to cut that's you okay. off there. So, you so heard what I it said. was actually me. Sorry. Jump to affordability then. That is. I, I think before you go there, yeah. I think these slides are. Things that, from a practical standpoint, maybe the most important for agents to know, because like our team, the other day, one of our agents sent a video that a client had sent to them, talking about how the market's going down, depreciation, uh, prices going down sixty percent, and you know some of that's because the media is out there saying it. Uh, and so I think to know these numbers, to know, hey, it's depreciation slowing, not depreciating, to see what's actually happening for two thousand twenty-two, where we were projected. Uh, because that's what we're hearing from our clients right now is maybe what's keeping them on the fence is what they're hearing on the news on a nightly basis or what they're seeing on YouTube or TikTok or whatever else about the market crashing. So practically on that, what would that be? That would be buyers saying, Ooh, it's cooling. Let me wait. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And, and they're wrong because no. it's not, it is cooling, but it's it, better now than maybe next spring. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, you should you should absolutely buy resale. If you're the guy looking at doing a $600,000 new construction, you should wait. If you're the guy... Um, there we go, that's good. For example, on in Polk City right now, there are five houses on this brand new street. Uh, my builder has two of them. They're at 425 and 450. There are two others at 460 and 470, and there's one at 580. That one at 580 is being built at the highest possible price structure that we've seen ever. I, I'm glad I don't have that house listed because I don't think anybody should buy it. My guess is you could buy that house a year from now for 530. So there is a place where you do not buy. Uh, but, and I, I want to be careful because I represent builders. Um, yeah. And, I, and I'm, in, I'm trying to educate my builders along these lines. They have to be careful what they build. Makes me feel good about my meeting six months ago with a, a builder here in town, and I saw the price, and I was like, "Nope, I'm out." <clears throat> that was a good move. Yeah, I, six I, months ago, it probably it wasn't. Yeah, it was pretty close to it. It was high. Yeah, but your point is really, really good. There's a distinction between. So, if you can pick up a resale right now, you're saying jump in because actually, we believe there's every reason to think that the spring is going to be super strong on that, and we'll yeah. see another year of appreciation, new yeah. construction. Be careful buying now. You might be buying yeah. at a peak because it yeah. could it should soften. I've got a Ethan and I have a two hundred and fifty thousand dollar house in Slater that's having trouble selling. It's stupid. Somebody should grab that house. It will be worth three hundred by the end of next year. Because that's what has to happen with resale. Kyle, practically, because you, you were touching on something very good. You're talking about 
are you, are you guiding your team specifically on how to respond on those slides? The, yeah, and these are the, the slides that I shared. So when we had that conversation on Friday, hey, I got this video from a client. I screenshotted these slides because okay. these are great talking points. You know, one, they're here in depreciation, reminding that, yeah, although appreciation is slowing, we are appreciation slowing. We're not depreciating. We actually had a 15.8% <laughs> yeah. increase year over yeah. year in the month of July. Yeah. And so, then, and then what, what else would you say? Would you say, and many experts have raised, but that's just looking backwards still. Yeah. But then you look at, you know, what's forecasted for, you know, the rest of the year yeah. where we were Do once. We have a 23 forecast. No, and that's the one that we need. I, and, and honestly, that's the one that no one's going to want to put out. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of like those rates earlier. It's going to be I think they usually 15 put it to out 20% in again on resale. Yeah. I'm telling you right now, it's going to be 15 to 20% on resale. Someone write that down. Another okay. column. Uh, uh, we don't need to. It's, on, it's, it's, <laughs> it's recorded. <laughs> I okay, just John. think there's so much negativity in the media right now. Uh, about what's going on in the real estate market because you're looking, you know, your graph in front of you. Yes, uh, inventory has gone up at uh, 30% or whatever the number is. And that seems like so large, but yet we're probably half of what we need, it's at the least wrong, locally. It's the wrong reference point. Yeah. How much it went exactly, up is not yeah. the point. Yeah, Where so it, much we're still short. Yes. Uh, so just knowing those things, be able to talk about them, I think is important. So that it's going to be that short next year means that no matter how bad it no that's that's too aggressive a statement i was going to say no matter how bad it is the truth of the matter is that there are there are still very very significant forces working in real estate's favor right now yep. even at six or seven percent interest rates yep. yeah i mean my first house was at seven percent and while i know it was a different time and a you know that same house would sell for twice what it did then now but it i'm also making you know the same person is going to be making a lot more. I mean, this, the, you did refinance that 7% one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't own that house anymore, but the, the, the percentage of income, this wasn't one of the interesting slides in the KCM report. Is that on here? It's on oh, the yeah. next set of slides. Yeah. <clears throat> you guys are brilliant. The percentage of income that people are spending, uh, on their house up to 25%, just over 25%. Yep. Yeah, so three slides on affordability, great transition. Um, graph seven, we are now down to, for the first time in decades, below the 100 mark. So 100 on the affordability index is a reference point. And the idea of that reference point is that at 100, 100% of the average earners in the country can afford the average price. So when you drop below that, that means that some percentage less than everyone can afford the average uh, when you're at the average income level. And so we've had an incredibly high level of affordability peaking during the crash back in 2000, like seven, eight, nine. It's still been ridiculously high, not because of prices, but because of interest rates. And now we're dipping into that 98. Uh, the monthly mortgage payments, graph number eight, is crazy. Uh, back in June of 2021, well, I, I'm yeah, presuming one year ago. One year ago, this is I presume just for the average mortgage, a $1,200 principal and interest. Same property today, 1944 PNI. That is a what 700? That's a 50 percent 50 percent increase. Yep. That is a notable impact to a group of people. Um, who are living typically paycheck to paycheck and that are maximizing the amount of house that they can buy. So like you said, Tammy, 
the only way to do this at this point then is to decrease your expectations on what you were planning to buy. Correct. And then finally, graph 8B, I think is what we called it. Actually, it's not finally. This is the reference point of uh, 25% of people's relative fixed income being appropriated towards their mortgage payment to be able to afford the average house. <coughs> That's up from what? 11% in January of 2013. So if you want to buy a house today, it's taking up a big part of your income to be able to afford it. I did include, last thing, Roger, I did include the actual housing affordability index this month for you to take a look at. It doesn't really say anything we haven't already covered, but it does show you the, the past months and it shows you the trajectory. So like that payment as a percent of, uh, percentage of income, you can see that climbing very aggressively from the beginning of this year, which you guys predicted. I mean, we talked about this in February, March, if I believe. Okay, so affordability. Um, how are you guiding clients in this current environment? Then? Let me just bring one more perspective that it doesn't really mean anything here, but it we're going to go back to the sixties here. No, we're going to go back to Africa. Oh, okay. <laughs> Ethan and I are actually building four houses right now in Africa. They cost a thousand dollars a piece, $4,000, two room houses, not two bedroom, two room houses. So this idea of being spoiled or changing our expectations, that takes it to the absolute extreme. So even, even if we get to the, the lowest expectations that we could perceive here in the United States, we are so far above much of the world system uh, that it's, yeah, spoiled is the word. I don't think anyone disagrees, uh, but we sell houses and we sell houses for a living. <laughs> and certain people in our country, spoiled or otherwise, now cannot afford to buy one. This is the thing, I, and I have this debate back to Africa, I have this debate with people there where they think that everyone in America is ridiculously rich and they are in their quality of life, but they aren't necessarily in their net worth because the truth is everyone here has got debt and yeah. everyone here has got massive expenses. All four of those people will not have a mortgage at Correct. the end. <laughs> their home will be paid for, which is the Which American puts them ahead dream. of the Americans. Yeah. Yeah. So the point though is we do live in a debt society and people living paycheck to paycheck and these changes do make housing unaffordable in yeah. this place. And so how are we, I guess, how are you navigating that with people? What's your thoughts? Who's being sidelined at this point? Who isn't? I don't think the low end buyers are being sidelined. Um, I Just for the Des Moines market, I see... It, that that's where I see inventory really growing. There are so many houses going on the market between one hundred and fifty and two hundred thousand dollars in Des Moines right now. Uh, that there really are lots of options. Uh, Tam, uh, sorry, Bo, my buyer's agent, has been showing a client who's shopping in that range, and I think she's shown him over the last month like thirty or forty houses. You couldn't do that before. What's What's interesting to me is over the last month, it's my buyers like sold a house this weekend in Ankeny for two fifty. We were the only offer. It was day two on the market, you know. Wow. I mean we came in strong. But my I have a couple of buyers looking around six hundred and, <laughs> and I had one right last week lost out. I had another one, different different buyers, different city, lost out and these things selling over list price. At the high the high price points? Yeah. It's so it's it's weird in my mind that that's the case where having more success for people that are in the one fifty, two fifty range versus Five to six hundred thousand were <clears throat> for me at least you know this is personal but it's more than one buyer 
uh, seeing multiple offers and in a couple of cases selling for over list price. That's that price the preview point. of what I'm suggesting in the spring. <clears throat> That's what we're going to see in the spring because there's not going to be enough of those houses available at the high end. And that's the pricing pressure that concerns me because I want these guys to cool this market so much that we all go back to normal. But, well, normal's a really stupid word <laughs> right now. But I think that we're going to keep this thing kicking for a while because I think you're right, Rog. And, um, and you're also right, Roger, about the demographics. So we are seeing a, a notable increase in first-time homebuyers. To, uh, as a percentage of market sales. And I think that's because you've got a millennial pool that is very, very large. They're now literally too old to live in their parents' basements. Like they, they, they physically are being kicked out. And uh, they're earning decent amounts of money. My freaking kid makes 15 bucks an hour right now at 50, 16 working at Panera. So they're earning decent amounts of money and uh, they have to go make a move. And rents are ridiculously high. So the rent thing is meaningful. Yeah. Because we're going to see, talking about Tammy's expectations, we're going to see somebody paying $1,600 a month rent on a pretty nice apartment or townhome or something somewhere. And they're going to go buy a $180,000 house that's going to be a pretty significant downgrade in their comfort level in terms of housing, which again is probably what we saw 20 years ago it just we haven't seen it for 20 years well and you see that on on the coast even more i mean the rents out there are higher and i mean i know that's not here but i'm i've heard several stories about people not buying on the coast because of that yeah that's a different situation they are naturally needing to buy i, I in my little podcast on the market recently i talked about find the motivated <clears throat> and I think investors are motivated, but they're all hoping for something that might not happen mm-hmm. on pricing. But first-time home buyers, millennials, I think they're the motivated because they're at that place of life. And then I think we're going to have a lot of people that just aren't that motivated. And I think that's our mid-tier, higher-tier sellers that are living in their house at 2.8%. And no matter how much you twist their arm, I just don't know why I'd list my house at this point. Yeah, they're going to have to stay put. I think they will. So I think that from a strategy perspective, from a marketing perspective as a real estate agent, I think you've got to get intentional about your five spokes, your lead generation, and make sure you're not preaching to the, well, not the choir, but I mean speaking to the wrong audience, I guess. I think we've just got to think about that. Um, any, anything more on affordability? I mean, it's, it's notable, guys, that these graphs tell a pretty powerful story. It is not a great time financially relative to previously uh, the last two f- 10 years right. to buy a house. It, it costs a lot of money right now to own. Right, yeah, right, it does. Um, but it costs but a lot of money to do everything. <laughs> right, it costs a lot of money to do everything, and it's, and it's not, I mean, the bottom's not falling out. I mean, we are right at 100. Um, that means housing is still affordable. It's just not as affordable as it was in the last 12 years. Well, that's maybe a healthy point of reference. I mean, maybe what I'm comparing to is la-la land. Which is what we've been yes. in for the yes. last 12 years. I mean... And that's why we were in a mess. Right. One, one other point is that rent issue needs to be addressed. So this is probably the best time in the last 10 years to build an apartment complex. Because we need, we need housing. We need it. We need housing inventory. It's not going to come through high-end construction like it has for the last two or three years. So it's gonna, we gotta add, we got to add housing units. It's going to come through multifamily. And that's a space that you live in, actually, right? Some of your clientele's play in that area. So are you speaking with some degree of insight there, or just uh, that's just an analysis that you're making? Yeah, no, I, 
I gener- I do have clients in that space, but when they're building apartments, that's not when I'm involved. But but that is what should be happening right are now. Are they building apartments? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, they are building apartments. And and I think the them building nice apartments that people can live in um, help to free up some inventory yes. because there are going to be people who change from owning to renting in this process uh, and that will free up other houses. And they'll move from a rental single family house into a nicer apartment um, potentially. And I think that could free up a house. I mean, there's lots of ways that that can impact this. Well, we've got a lot of, a lot of people in this country and uh, we've got to find a place for them all to be, right? <clears throat> I, I hear there's a lot more people now than there used to be too. There is. I won't get into that. Uh, we've covered rates. <laughs> wow, I just heard 3.5 million new human beings have entered our country just by way of immigration. In, in oh, the, right. Yes. yes. I mean, that in the, that's not a small number. No. And so that's another force on the demand side. They I all mean, need a house. They do. So, so you're saying build a wall or not build a wall? <laughs> <laughs> build an apartment building. <laughs> build an apartment Forget building. Forget the wall, build the apartment building. <laughs> well, that's, that's a perfect transition again because <laughs> practically we've talked about rates, we've talked about inventory, we've talked about appreciation and pricing and affordability being a major thing for our clients. Um, ultimately, what I keep harping about is that all of that's interesting what's most interesting to me as a real estate broker and to our agents ought to be sales volume we want transactions we we sell houses for a living and Mm -hmm. and we got to guide our clients through this environment but at the end of the day sales volume is what pays the bills for us in our industry um graphs 9 10 and 11 uh you can see that decline from about a six million seasonally adjusted rate of sale down to a 4.8 million. That's that 20% decline that we're talking about in sales rate. And uh, that's not a terrible number, but it is 20% fewer homes selling than what we're selling in pretty much all markets. And that means someone is selling fewer (coughs) houses. It doesn't mean everyone's selling fewer, because if you look at our production role right now, uh, it's close to 70 or 80% of our agents are selling more this year than last year. But some that has to come from somewhere. So there are going to be agents selling less. Pending homes uh, sales index also low. And again, notable, pending home sales, just like affordability, has that 100 baseline number. It's, it's an index. It's not an actual number. And it is now dipped below that. The last time it dipped below 100 was right during the pandemic where it crashed. And then finally, again, pending home sales down 20% year over year. So I've been saying this for a while. Sales volume is being impacted by inventory, by pricing, by affordability. Yeah, there's there's an offset to that. And I'm going to defend your son here who's making $15 an hour at Panera. And you say that as if there's something unrealistic in that. But the reality is, and I talked to Kyle about this the other day, if you're getting 20 to 25% appreciation, that means us as realtors, we all got 50% raises over the last two years. Unless they're there is pressure down on our commission rates because we're based on a percentage. Which there has been, but justifiably not very much. Relative to the price. Absolutely. Yeah. So I'm going to argue your benefit over the last two years as a broker is significantly more than the guy working at Panera. Just because of, <clears throat> so we don't, we don't even have to do more volume. We can do less volume and make money because our transactions are so much bigger. 
Okay, there's a lot there. Maybe. Well, no, you disagree. (laughs) It's simple math. Yeah. Well, I think it's evident in, uh, sort of be careful in terms of our audience here, but agents, given how much properties have gone up in value, have Mm -hmm. made good money in the Mm -hmm. last several years. Yeah, I agree. So I agree with the sentiment of your point. As a function of that, though, commission pressures are at all time highs. Now, I think for the most part, we have held the line as a team, as an organization, but at a lower percentile than what we were 10 years ago. But I I think your point stands, we've made good money, and now we're trying to find a way, given that apples cost more, everybody has to be able to afford the apples. Did that make sense? Did I lose you? You lost me when you went to the orchard. Cost of living is up. (laughs) Cost of living is up. And so whether it's Caden or realtors, everybody needs to have an increase in pay. So you're making a political... No, 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 no. I'm just making, even even I'm making a statement to young agents who are just getting in 25 years ago or 20 years ago for Kyle, we were excited to sell a $90,000 house. Oh my gosh. And the commission rate was percentage was the same as it is today. And now I'm selling what Kyle said, $600,000. Mm-hmm. Entry he's, level. He's got to sell seven $90,000 houses to get to that $600,000. i am just telling you, it's a great time to be in real estate. And it's not so dependent on volume, transaction, number of transactions, uh, just because <clears throat> y'all got raises. No, I don't disagree with anything you just said. If I was selling 15 houses last year and now I do the same inputs, I might only sell 12 this year. And that's not the end of the world is what you're saying. And what I'm suggesting is is if it is the end of the world to you, then you need to go put your head down and do more work because the pie, the size of the pie that we're all eating from just got a little smaller. And when I say a little, I mean one fifth. Now, do I think it'll stay that way? No, I actually think next spring and next summer as inventory shows up, sales volume will increase again because there's that many people needing to buy. But I do think as a, re- as a coach, I'm suggesting to agents, if you do need to hold your revenue, if you do need to keep your sales volume, now's a good time to put your head down and go focus on your activities because the pie just got a little smaller and there's a lot of people that will just stand on the sidelines and go, oh, the market slowed down. I'm just going to rest on my laurels. And I wouldn't do that if I were you. Tammy? Yeah, I would agree with that. I, I, I think it comes back to doing that, the, the activities. And then it also comes back to what we were talking about the other day, just um, hanging on too. I mean, doing more activities so you can increase your piece of the pie is important. Um, but this isn't going to last forever. This, this dip isn't going to last forever. Yeah. And, and so you got to keep that in mind. Don't just think about what's happening this week, but what's going to come in the spring. Well, speak to that. Why is that dip there? There is a dip. We're down to 4.8. Because we all got 40% raises over the last two years. I don't think that's why. I think because we're pouring a bunch of, cool, cool, uh, we're trying to. Ice. They're trying to ice down the engine. It's all connected. It is all connected. I, but it is, I mean, all the things that have happened in the last four months are going to make people pause and think about what they're doing. And I think that's why there's a dip. That's, that's why there's, and then once this settles out and people realize, oh, four and a half, five percent isn't that bad because I'm making more money now. I'm, whatever the reasons are, then they're going to be like, okay, let's go buy a house again. Or yeah. I'm okay painting a house that, that doesn't look very good or whatever those things are, it will come back. Again, I, you know, something I mentioned earlier, but if we are down 20%, if this is, 
year over year. When I say we, our company is not. Well, no, in Midwest, 13%. So, you know, we don't feel it as much here in the Midwest. Which graph are we looking at? The third one on that page. But, again, we're down 20% from last year, right? And so I I imagine these numbers are probably pretty close to where they were pre-pandemic as far as the number of sales. So it's easy to look at a number and say, well, well, we're, we're down. But, again, we're... We just came out of a history. I think it was in the mid fives pre pandemic. Tammy, you're looking at it? Yeah. I mean, we're down a little from pre pandemic um, in number of sales. Hmm. Uh, But I don't think it stays that way. I mean, this is this dip that it's showing here on the second graph on page 11. um, I, I still believe that that will come back up in short order. No, I, I agree. So I think we're all agreeing except for Roger. I'm no, I'm <laughs> no, agree- I think he's I'm agreeing. agreeing. <laughs> I'm saying we're down 20% in transactions but we're up 40% in price. Yeah. And the 40% price increase is why the government is trying to force the dip right now. It's all yes. connected. We got paid over the last 2 years and But I don't think they're trying to create a dip sustained in sales volume. I don't think it's in anyone's interest to reduce sales volume. They're trying to create a dip in pricing. They're trying to soften pricing, not sales. The number of people who have to move every given year, like they can't stop pregnancies or divorce. The government's not trying to do that. They're trying to make it that you, it just costs less. So I I think, Tammy, I agree with your point. I think we're in in a temporary suppressed market environment because we've massively increased rates when prices are still high. That will reduce sales temporarily. It ought to, to, to Roger's point. And, and then I think that demand will naturally start you, to show up. you think up we're going to get to the number of sales we had over the last couple of years? I, I don't know. I mean, I it think was no it's going to go higher. Buying. It's going to go higher. Well, because of population. Yeah, I, that's right. Because we're still undersupplied. My point of reference is the 7.2 million peak. So, so three to 4 million was the average amount of sales volume done by NAR in the 70s, 80s, and 90s. It was in the early 2000s that we created a housing bubble. And the reason it was a bubble was because it wasn't real demand. You guys remember people buying houses simply to own for three weeks in order to flip them before they actually closed on it. And that created two sales. So the problem that we had with 7.2 million as the peak was it wasn't real. Those sales weren't from actual organic human being demand. Um, Kyle, we got to what? Six point something here post pandemic. And you're asking the question, was that real? Was that a bubble in the same way that the 7.2 million was a bubble? I guess it kind of was because people were moving because of a change in lifestyle. Like all of a sudden, everybody wanted to move to the mountains or all of a sudden, everybody wanted a vacation home. Some of that might have been fake. And, and you're nodding just so that everyone, and that's kind of what you're suggesting is six point something isn't realistic. And maybe 5.45 is realistic and 4.8 is not far from that. Am I close? Yeah, I, I think we've hit a number of sales. I mean, obviously there's going to be an increase naturally with population or whatever, but uh, I think we saw things and, and interest rate played into that too, where I could, Buy a house at two and a half percent. That's what was fake for the last five years. Yeah, and all the other things you mentioned there. So I think we saw for home sales to be down. I don't. It's kind of like those other graphs. I don't think that's all that big a deal. 
Yeah, for for your forecast to be correct, and I you could be correct about it, is the the rental market has to really increase. So we have to get all that influx of apartments. I, that actually is a graph I've never seen before. I'd love to see housing units in the U.S. rental versus equity. Maybe that's something you could dig up, Dylan. I think it might be worth tracking over the next couple of years because if people just throw their hands up and say, I'm just going to have to rent, then that does make what Kyle's saying absolutely correct. I'm not sure what graph you're talking about, but we do see the rent rate in, in these graphs. And that unfortunately is climbing at the exact same rate as... I'm saying there's 100% of, of homes, of residences in the U.S., are they 50-50 rent and equity or are they 60-40? The yeah, it. that's what I think might change over the coming couple of years. Which way? Towards rentals, he's suggesting. I'm, yeah, I'm suggesting towards rental. If Kyle's right, other, if, 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 if it doesn't move significantly towards rentals, then we're going to hit this these high peaks again on transaction volume. Uh, here's the good news for anyone listening. None of you can do 4.8 million units yourselves <clears throat> so there's plenty to get maybe kyle <laughs> <laughs> we're trying yeah <laughs> while your team is up i i am watching all these numbers and as a company just so that i, I always am concerned about any outsiders listening but we're up 15 percent year to date on gci compared to last year what about transactions we're up seven percent on on sides as a company now we have more agents selling this year than last year but in an environment where in the midwest it's down 14 percent and nationally it's down 20 i'm pretty happy with that but i I, as a coach i can't it's incumbent upon me to ensure that in lulls like this i pour fuel on people's sales fires and i say hey put your head down there's an opportunity now go do the activities that others might not do because you gain market share that way. And so I think that's what I'm speaking to, Roger, is I, I, want our, I want our team to go sell more houses, regardless of the fact that prices are up. Yeah, it does. Those numbers do support your contention that there is commission pressures. GCI, yeah. Because if GCI is only up 15% and transactions are up 7% and appreciation is at 20%, something happened to commission rates. Well, because it was a notable gap between units and GCI increases two years ago. You could you could be up 5% on sides and be up 20 to 30% yeah, on that GCI. That was the appreciation. Correct. Yeah. Um, well, we got pretty deep on this one. Um, I don't know where to wrap this up other than anything practical. This has been, I mean, to me, this is one of the most interesting conversations we've had because there's we're starting to see real flux happen in the market. And we're kind of in a... I don't know how to say this, but we're sort of in no man's land. There's a lot of questions out there right now. Mm-hmm. And so we're speculating a little bit. A lot. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, but that's all you can do, right, is stay close to it. And uh, Carl, I love your idea about picking a handful of slides and knowing how to respond to consumers in this environment because that's the most impactful thing you can do other than putting your head down and doing your activity. So I'll let you guys have the last say. Closing thoughts. Oh, I want to give Kyle some some practical advice. Thank you. Um, be good. <laughs> <laughs> because uh, we're all questioning the, like Kyle said, he saw somebody writing 80% decrease. Mm-hmm. I'm saying I'm seeing 20% all over. It's the same experts that we see on graph five that were forecasting at the low 3% appreciation and at the high 7%. Mm-hmm. 
And now we see, no, the low was nine. We're actually, no, where, where is the actual on that? It's up here. It's 15.8. So nobody has come close yet to that. They're about half of what they were forecasting back in January and February. The experts don't know. They're missing it. Well, the experts aren't in, they aren't selling houses either. I mean, they are studying numbers, they are studying history, um, but they are not out selling houses and feeling the market. And and obviously every market is different and we have to know what's going on here. And I think that's why it's important to know what is in what is in your market. What is your market doing? Is the inventory up? Is it down? And I, just, I think they're missing it from a standpoint. It's stronger than what they anticipated. That's right? exactly yeah. right. Yeah. yeah. And, and I think the same is going to be true where you're seeing these, them projecting depreciation. Yeah. They just, they're missing it. I can't. I was pulling the numbers for DMAR specifically. I think it was Friday. And uh, it, was, it went over 2,700 for active listings, but I pulled up last 30 days what's gone under contract, 1,200 homes. So to me, that's, you know, what, two, under two and a half months supply, which that would tell me it's still really strong. And that's only looking back 30 days. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. Still, still at least locally, very strong. Well, and anecdotally, it's still strong. Anecdotally, yep. you guys are, we had a bit of a lull in July, was it July? June, yeah. July? And yeah. a little bit in August as well. Yeah, but it feels like it's picking up Absolutely. already. Absolutely. We didn't even talk about that. Yeah. Well, September. go ahead. What yeah, are you September, feeling? you can tell already that. That's the normal. Normal. You know, September, October. Good yeah, month. I always remember December being a top month for closings. Mm-hmm. July and August look like, whoa, the breaks are on. That's not going to happen. Yeah. But just from 10 days in September, it looks very The back normal. to school lull is always a thing. Yeah. 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 So Vacation. you're also feeling increased in activity? Oh, yeah, absolutely. We've had more uh, calls on properties or uh, le- online leads or whatever in the last 10 days. Than we've had What's in fun the last for, six weeks. For us, you know, working a lot of online leads is our conversion rate is actually much higher the last few months because normally you're getting a lead that wants to see that house. Well, it's already sold or it's got 10 offers on it. And so now we're actually getting to show the house more often and yeah, converting yeah. at a higher rate because you don't have the 10 offers and the 20 people looking at it. So yeah. that's been a positive for us. It's a great time to be a realtor. You, you don't know how crazy it is when you're, we just get used to it, right? Yeah. We've gotten used to some pretty insane stuff. Well, I'll uh, I'll look forward to chatting with you guys in a month or two and seeing how this all progresses. Roger, you made some pretty bold predictions today about January, February, and so I look forward to that. I think you're I think you're right. So I'm not putting you on the spot there. I it's going to be interesting to see how this all unfolds. So so if I'm wrong, you're wrong with me. I'm, I just think we're all agreeing with everything. <laughs> and so we're all wrong, all right. Yeah, that's... I don't want to be singled out there as a guy. <laughs> well, I appreciate your guys' time. That's a lot of good insight for those of you listening. Obviously, if you have any more of this you want to discuss, team meetings is a good place to do it. Otherwise, stay current with KCM. Stay current with the Eltos reports. You can watch those on YouTube. Uh, otherwise, it's going to be uh, buckle up. It's going to be an interesting few months. So thanks, guys. Thank you for joining us today. For more episodes, resources, and show notes, head to morethanmorepodcast.com.